And so that group of people are now going to Joe's instead of Veronica's. And so there's that subtle loss of business. And any time, but also when you put up that sign of an induction loop, what it's communicating to everyone is we are welcoming. We welcome everybody. We support everyone. And I think in this time and day and age of complicated politics without delving into that, I think that is really important to be a welcoming business. Hello, this is Joseph Rubelli. You are listening to the Digital Bosses Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome. Currently broadcasting from my living room here in York, England, my dearest friend recently moved in and he started using my kitchen, something that I personally never do because I don't cook. So if you hear some noise in the background, there is probably some great Italian meal going on in the kitchen. (laughs) I want to start this episode by asking you one question. How accessible is your business right now? I am not talking from a perspective of offer or price point, but really about customer journey, something that I don't think we cover enough in business. We often cover how important it is to scale and how to get to the next level and how to really grow your brand. But how about the importance of really taking care of the people that are already there with you? And this is exactly what me and my guest Jenny Slates are covering today for you. Janice is the founder of Hearing Access and Innovation and the proof that resilience and consistency do pay off in business. She's a passionate, accomplished hearing loss consultant and advocate. Her ability to break down issues and do what is needed to affect change has had her access to business leaders, government officials, political leaders, and respected academians around the world. Her work has been featured in Forbes, Yahoo Finance, FitSmallBusinesses.com, and so many more. This episode really digs into the importance of accessibility in business for existing clients before we approach new one. This episode is full of great tips and suggestions for your business. So my advice for you, if you can, whether you are on your way to somewhere listening to this or you are home, as most of us are right now, is to try to take notes as Janice speaks, as she shares so many great tips that you don't want to miss. And if you can do this as we speak, make sure you download this episode and listen to it again. If you are listening to this episode right now, make sure you take a screenshot of the episode, tag me on your Instagram story and let me know that you are tuning in. I always love to repost each and every one of my listeners. Welcome to the Digital Bosses Podcast. Here's your host, Joseph Rebelli, a marketing strategist, brand building expert and founder of the Rebelli Digital Agency. My definition of being your own boss means showing up for yourself so that you can show up for everyone and everything, personally and professionally. So congratulations on showing up, boss. I created the Digital Bosses Podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dream into a purposeful and profitable business. If you are an ambitious coach, content creator, entrepreneur, or one in the making who is looking to create a business that makes an impact and helps you create a life that you love, well, you are in the right place. So let's dive right into it. Hi, Janice. How are you today? 
Good. How are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I am so happy you are on the Digital Buses podcast. You actually are the first guest of this new season. So welcome. Oh, thank you. So today we are covering a very interesting topic to me because I often speak about, you know, reach and growth. Uh, within the podcast and we talk about how to grow the business, how to increase our reach online with our products and services. But what I really am super keen today, it's talking about accessibility and you are the right person for it. And we're going to dive in to why in one second. So I would love you to kind of share a little bit more about you, your background and how do you get to where you are today? So I had a daughter or have a daughter who has a hearing loss. And when she was diagnosed with a hearing loss, the pediatrician immediately told me there were special schools for her. And I didn't really understand why the doctor had lowered the bar um, for my daughter's entire life one moment after her diagnosis. I hadn't even wrapped my head around the diagnosis and suddenly my entire life was disrupted. And I was unwilling to lower the standards for my life or let anyone tell me how I was going to live my life. So once I got her settled with her hearing aids, I decided we had to start working on figuring out how we were going to manage. And so I set about working on projects selfishly that impacted our family. We lived in we lived on Manhattan's Upper East Side, and living in Manhattan, you want to embrace culture and visit museums and theaters. And so that's the projects I started working on. So initially I started working on projects that um, impacted little kids like circuses. But then over time I realized that the projects took a really long time. So I had to think further out from her two year old life to like when she was nine. And then when she was nine, I had to think about when she was 17 because that's how long it would take for each project. So I had to plan further ahead. And even there's still one project I'm working on for the Smithsonian Museum that I started working on in her junior of high school, and she's now 26. So, and it's still not there. So, which is ridiculous. Mm. And, you know, it's fascinating to me because especially when, you know, my listeners are small business owners. So they start, somebody's starting out, somebody has already a product or a service that they sell in and especially online, we have the tools, but people just, I don't think there is enough speaking about accessibility from a perspective of hearing. And here's my question for you. What is the biggest challenge you think businesses in general, but especially small businesses are facing when it comes to hearing accessibility? I think one of the problems is that people assume when you think hearing loss, you think deaf. So of the 10% of the population that has some form of hearing loss, less than 1% is deaf. At least that's the case in the United States. I can't really speak globally. Um, And also globally in some countries, people that are thought to be deaf are not deaf, because, but they haven't had their hearing tested and they don't have access to hearing aids. So they're treated as if they are deaf when if they had access to hearing aids, they wouldn't be deaf. But if we talk about in the United States um, using the U.S. numbers, 10%. So less than 1% uses sign language. Sign language is critical to that part of the population, but it's not the vast majority of people with hearing loss. So understanding that hearing loss is a spectrum is critical and understanding that there are three different types of access that are needed 
to reach the full spectrum. You need auditory. So I call it the three-prong approach. Mm -hmm. You need auditory, bringing sound to someone's hearing aid or cochlear implant. That's an induction loop. You see that in England. Um, Visual, that would be captioning, right? England is much, and the UK is much further ahead than the United States um, in this area. So this is interesting because you are talking about obviously in the US and I live in England, but obviously I'm from Italy. So I kind of, I'm mapping out in my head all the differences in in terms of approach that people have in terms of hearing loss. And I, I think where your figures were really resonating with the one that I know in my home country. So England is kind of in between, but carry on because I'm really interested about that. So you have the second prong, which is visual, um, which would be like captioning. And then third, qualified interpretation or sign language. So you need all three every time there's sound, whether human or audio. And people think it's a menu where you get to pick and choose. So Mm. the thing that's interesting is access. So in the U.S., under the Americans with Disabilities Act, we have a term called effective access. That's what businesses need to provide. And effective access, no matter what you call that term, basically effective access means it actually works and actually reaches the person that needs the access, right? We rely on the end user, which any good business would do. When you want to deliver any service, you focus on the end user, the person receiving it, right? So people will say, well, is this effective? Well, let's understand. You either receive the sound or the way to receive the information or you don't. And if you don't, it's not effective. And if you do, it is effective. So globally, the definition should be the same. And so I don't really understand why it's not. So my goal is to track access around the world and create one global definition because access is either effective or not in any country, any language. And I don't really understand why every country would have different access But what seems to be happening is that no one is connecting the dots, and that's the problem. So every Mm. project seems like a one-off project. Someone either in the company has or knows someone with a hearing loss. Someone, a customer complained and so against that particular company, so the access was put in, or some combination of everything. So you will find access in sporadic places with zero consistency. Right. So in England, you will see it at, let's say, Costa Coffee, right, has induction loops. Starbucks apparently doesn't. Mm. They're both coffee shops. So why does Costa Coffee have induction loops, but Starbucks doesn't? And then if Starbucks does have, um, because I haven't been able to find it at Starbucks in England, but maybe it exists. So if it exists in England, then why at Starbucks? Why does it exist in England at Starbucks, but not in the U.S.? Because no, as best of my knowledge, Starbucks doesn't have induction loops. So you see this, particularly um, Boots Pharmacy, right? Yeah. Pharmacy has an induction loop. Now, there was recently a sale, but Walgreens, which owns Boots Pharmacy up until recently, didn't have the access in the U.S. Why? Same company. And so the problem is, the access is coming in not through the construction department, right? Yeah. When they're building it in, not through an overall um, department, let's say where the construction, like 
access tends to come in either through HR or construction, and those departments never seem to speak because why would human resources communicate with construction? But access doesn't belong in either one of those departments. It belongs in an access department. And most companies don't have an access department, or then those people need to speak and need to bridge it. But that's why the problems are one-off. That's so fascinating. And it's really interesting how different countries, which essentially are operating, um, you know, selling the same products and services, they really have the same structure in terms of access and accessibility. So linking to this, let's say Starbucks approach you here in Access and Innovations, you are the founder of that. How is your approach? Walk me through the approach that your business has when a company comes to you and say, hey, we are facing this challenge. We realize we actually not allowing our services and products to be accessible for everybody in terms of hearing. What would you do? So my goal is, depending on the size and the, you know, discussing a Starbucks versus a mom and pop shop is very different. Yeah. But, you know, so I have familiarity, let's say, with a Starbucks, right? Whereas I may not in another business. But using a business I ha- I don't have familiarity with, right? I would want to walk the store or in this case, do a video site uh, because I'm not going into a store. But usually non-pandemic times, I want to walk the site. If it's a museum, I want to walk the home museum, not with the not with anybody from the company. I want to do like almost a secret shop, go through the site, see what how people move within the site, what's available, where nobody knows who I am. Right. I'm going through and understanding the the different service counters that are available. Kind of the customer sounds, journey a little bit. The, that's the right word, customer journey. Yeah. See, you're in marketing. Uh, <laughs> customer journey. So I'm going to write that down. So I'm, I want to understand the customer journey and then I can make recommendations. But usually the recommendations are really all very similar. The details is the implementation. How is that access put in? So what... Um, there had been a survey in England a um, number of years ago by Action on Hearing Loss, which used to be called the Royal National Institute for Deaf, I think, or RNID. I may not be. Yeah, I remember that. I remember reading about that. Yeah. And so they found that the access was un- in England as compared to the U.S., the access was least in place. But the problem was people used these portable devices and people unplugged them. So that was ridiculous. And and we could see how that could happen because everyone is looking for an outlet to charge their phones. So, yeah. right. I, and we go through life. We see people crawling, you know, in non-pandemic times, crawling on the floor, looking for an outlet. And so people unplug the induction loop. So while a store would then have this, when they don't hardline in the access, people unplug it. And so the, and then once it's unplugged and you see a loose wire, then it doesn't work. No one uses it. And the next thing you know, that little suitcase goes into the closet. And I was in one country and that's exactly what happened. I found, I was like, I see the sign. Where's the access? Oh, we have it in the closet and we take it out. Well, access that's not used is definitely not effective, right? There's no an access. <laughs> it's not access. Like, this is a joke. This is a, compl- that's a compliance issue, right? And so that's what Action on Hearing Loss found is that this wasn't. And there's one company in England that sells these portable devices because it allows businesses to comply. And this company doesn't really care 
whether or not they comply, they're interested in making a sale. And yeah. right. And how can you deliver compliance as cheap as possible? But businesses shouldn't be worrying. I'm not saying not to worry about cost, because of course you always have to worry about cost. But if you focus on the end user again, right? Then yeah. when you deliver the actual access, it helps your bottom line. And by buying the cheapest thing out there, we don't do that for anything else, right? We, we want, when we purchase anything, we want to make sure it works. But this vendor is just selling compliance. They're not selling workability because if you understand that someone's going to unplug it, that's not going to work unless you create another outlet and you put a box around it so no one ever unplugs it, right? But then yeah. that doesn't really come to, isn't what they're selling. They're selling plug in, plug out, right? And so the problem is people don't really understand the questions to ask and they're relying on the vendor. Will vendors sell what's cheapest to and easiest to install and generates the highest profit. We don't rely on vendors for anything else when we buy something, but when it comes to hearing loss, that's what people are doing. They're relying on vendors and that's the wrong way to approach hearing access. That is so, you literally open a word to me, like the fact that somebody is like the mm, example that you brought out that is taking somebody that is looking for a front charger and unplugging something that is actually essentially not allowing somebody else to be able to access to that service is mind blowing to me. So thank you for bringing that example. I think for the listeners out there, this is a very good example to understand the importance of this, you know, of the access in business. And here's my next question, which is if someone is a small business, they've been trading for a year or two and they haven't really approached access, uh, hearing access just yet, what would, what would be your suggestion? What would you say is a great, you know, start approach, if you will? So it depends on the type of business, yeah. right? So let's stick with a generic coffee company, right? So we're not pointing, I'm not pointing fingers, even though I'd love to. Um, <laughs> I know we had a very interesting conversation before recording, so I definitely know what you mean, but let's stick with coffee. <laughs> right. So we'll, we'll stick with coffee and a generic without pointing fingers to specific companies. So in a coffee business, right? Oh, sure. I have a cup of coffee while well, you do. We I'm having a cup of coffee myself. You guys can not see it and you probably will see it on a video repurposed, but it's interesting because Janice don't know, but the podcast before Digital Bosses was called Capo Joe and it was all about every guest was having a coffee with me. So the fact that you brought coffee out, I was like, this is such a great example. So carry on because that's so good. So in a coffee, like in a coffee house, adding this induction loop to the service counter, right? Yeah. Is critical, is critical because it allows someone, one, to hear their name, their coffee's ready to discuss, okay, do you want it with sugar, without sugar, soy, almond, you know, oatmeal milk, you pick the name, you know, all the varieties, you know, think about when you're ordering coffee, all the different things that you are saying that you don't even realize. And then the order take or the barista is repeating back to you to confirm your order. Yeah. If you order something, right, because they want to make sure they're not wasting coffee by doing it incorrectly or making you sick if you have a lactose issue or whatever your concern. So if they're repeating it back to you and you can't hear it, 
that's problematic because so many words we don't realize sound very similar. And when you answer incorrectly or you're embarrassed and you just say yes, but the coffee could make you sick because if they add whole milk and you are lactose intolerant and you need oat milk and you didn't hear the oats. That's me. That's problematic, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so imagine if you got whole milk instead of oat milk, that would be problematic. So a really simple solution is installing an induction loop into a coffee shop. But instead of doing plug and play, hardlining it in, right? Because mm. this way someone can't unplug it. So yes, it means getting another electric outlet. But businesses have added so many... Businesses didn't think twice about adding additional electric outlets for their customers who wanted to charge their cell phones. They thought, oh, if I add more outlets and provide electricity to my customers, they will sit and maybe instead of just ordering coffee, they'll order a Danish, right? Yeah. And so this is excellent customer service if I provide outlets. Well, for people with hearing loss, adding one for each station is excellent service. It's the same thing. But people see it as charity or an expense. And they don't realize that people with hearing loss spend money just like other people. They don't travel in packs Thank you. of people that's with hearing very, loss. Right? That's the big they, point. They, exactly. They bring other people. When people are saying, hey, let's go to Joe's Coffee, right? Joe's Coffee Shop. If that place has an induction loop, whereas let's say Veronica's shop doesn't, the person with the hearing loss is going to say, let's go to Joe's, right? And so that group of people are now going to Joe's instead of Veronica's. And so there's that subtle loss of business. And anytime, but also when you put up that sign of an induction loop, what it's communicating to everyone is we are welcoming. We welcome everybody. We support everyone. And I think in this time and day and age of complicated politics without delving into that, I yeah. think that is really important to be a welcoming business. I agree with you. And, you know, what is really going down to is customer experience, retention, ensure that before you go to expand and grow more, try to make the best of what you have already. And sometimes, you know, we might be losing a customer, we might be losing a client because we are not really answering to their concerns or we are not addressing their problem correctly because we don't have the access. They don't have the access to what we have to offer. And, you know, once you communicate the example that you brought out with the coffee, it's brilliant because it's just a very simple thing, but it makes a huge difference for somebody that cannot hear you. And, you know, let's say communication, it's huge. There was an article a couple of months ago about someone that went to a burger store here in the UK and this person was massively allergic, massively allergic to an ingredient and the person was just not paying attention when they was taking the order and this guy passed away. Wow. So obviously this guy has been sued and everything and they took him to court. But that's what I mean. Sometimes details, as you said earlier, is everything. And, you know... I have a question that I am really interested personally. So I talk to a lot of small business owners uh, that work online. What is the biggest roadblock that you will find in terms of online businesses, uh, in terms of accessibility? If you find some, if you find some online that you've seen that you will be like, oh, you know, maybe that should be done differently. 
So just speaking on hearing loss, because visual impairments is a whole different, that's a big issue in the world of visual impairments, but just to keep this in the narrow focus. Yeah. Adding captions. Anytime there's a video, adding captions and checking the captions. You know, anytime you use auto caption, right, you have to go back in and check the spelling because but think about this. You go back in when you read, when you write a document, you go back in and you check your spelling. You might even run it through a company called here in the States. We have Grammarly. I run yeah. all my documents through Grammarly, right? Because Same. you look at a doc, you, you look through a document, you, you miss the spelling errors. I don't know about you, but I definitely do. I do I all the Grammarly. time. I, you know, there's not a commercial for Grammarly, but I need Grammarly. So it's the same thing. Think about running the captions through and checking them the same way you would check your document. Because if you send out a document with a spelling error, right, it's a reflection upon you. People look at you. Okay, maybe one doc, one misspelled word. They don't think everybody makes a mistake. But if it's filled with misspelled words or improper grammar, it makes you look like an idiot. The same with captions. Um, and I actually wrote an article about this, a little political, but for HuffPost called um, Thank You, Donald Trump, um, from the people who are deaf and hard of hearing. Because, right. and it was tongue in cheek, just so we're clear. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> The Apprentice, right? And you yeah. know what? I'm going to use this, you know, because we need all those voters you reach out to in England. And you know what? This will be my little part. But the problem was on The Apprentice, he was, the captions were not being checked. And this is a perfect example. The person in charge of captions for Mark Purnett Productions was not checking the captions. And she said she was too busy. And the presumption was that people check captions, right? And she also told me my complainings were stressing her out. And she was a single mom as that as if there was a connection between being, and I was a single mom too. So I didn't really understand the connection between all of that. But words like, when Donald Trump on The Apprentice would speak Bordeaux, as in France, it would be spelled like boar, two animals, a boar and a doe, right? And so my daughter, who was watching it with me and had been to Bordeaux, thought the person was an idiot, right? Because do you not know where Bordeaux, France is and do you not know how to spell? But imagine if every other sentence is like that and is spelled incorrectly. So People with hearing loss already knew he didn't care about them before because he wasn't correcting the spelling. And thank God for Bob Wright, who was then the chairman of NBC, who got it. And we developed captioning standards that NBC became the first company in the United States to put standards in the contract because the FCC did not have standards at the time. They do now. My yeah. working with the Association of National Advertisers helped force the hand of the FCC to prove proof and concept. But, and so if Donald Trump hadn't been so callous and unempathetic, we wouldn't have changed those standards because I was forced to work harder to fix them. But that's a perfect example. It makes a business look like they don't care about you. It's true. And it, looks, and it reflects poorly. So for someone who really cares about what all these image, you know, does all of this stuff to fix their image. This is just another detail that needs to be um, examined to make sure that you're not spending all this money on marketing, social, you know, social image, and then losing it in the last easiest part. 
fix your captions. Exactly. And, you know, this is really coming close to me because it happened on one of my content pieces online. And it wasn't due to the fact that I didn't check the caption is the fact that I speak with an accent and the person couldn't understand what I was saying. So I had to change it. And, you know, the person was like, I love your content, but I missed a little bit because the caption was wrong. Can you please double check next time? That was, that doesn't want to be a critic, but I just really, you to know, because you are missing out in communication. And my answer was like, thank you for telling me that because I said, sometimes in the in the process of things, the minimal detail that you think, okay, maybe next time I will put a caption. It makes such a difference. And, you know, from a perspective of hearing loss is super important. And from a perspective of people that actually look and check and scroll content without audio, again, you are missing out people to hear your message. So, um, for instance, what I do, and this is not, by the way, a sponsor, I use Zoptitle. And what I do is Zoptitle, it's a great website. It helps you to caption each and everything that you do with video. I do lots of video content. So that's great. What I do I go into transcript and then I change the transcript manually and I get someone on my team to do it for me. And this is a huge point for me. What I actually asked to do from now on, ever since the episode happened, I asked them to send me the transcript before it's, in, before it's implemented in the video because I want the message to be clear. So yeah, in anything to deal with communication, details matter. And I think this is the biggest takeaway of today's episode. And I really wanted to thank you for bringing this subject up because I think we need to speak more about this because this is such a, you know, such a key point in communication. I mean, come on, social media is all about communication and online business is all about communication. You don't have a person in real life right now. And due to the time and place where we are, there is a very little chance that you're going to meet somebody in person. You will probably see it through a camera. You will probably see it through a text or to a message, to a photo. So the caption matters. And yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And it's really important to bring, bring awareness on this because it's such an important matter. And last but not least... Yeah, wait, carry I just, on, sorry. Sorry, don't mean to interrupt. Um, don't want to speak over you, <laughs> especially don't after worry. last night. Um, but, <laughs> but I do have one important thing is not only does it benefit the captions, people with hearing loss, but think about realistically how many of us are watching captions, whether we're in a meeting and we're scrolling through something without the sound on. So because we're bored at the meeting and so we're watching something else. Or when we return to airports and we're in an airport or we're any place where we can't have the sound on and we're reading the captions, a lot more, especially younger people, I think um, the perception was older people didn't like captions. They found it distracting. Younger people live for captions. You know, they're always watching captions because they're in meetings or there are places where they can't listen and they're looking at the captions so nobody knows they're doing something else, right? Whether multitasking or their their partner is asleep and they want to be able to watch something or listen to something, right? I do that all the time. I watch captions all the time and I ensure that every story that I do on Instagram has a caption to it. It's such a big thing. So So. it's really, captions have now become universal access because the younger market, as they age, this is the way they're multitasking, multi-platforms, multi-screens. They're not just taking information in one way, the way the older audience. So I think that has really shifted. It's just making sure you're communicating your message that you care through the spelling. 
Absolutely. Before we wrap this up, I have one question for you. What does it mean to you being a boss? Well, I'm a small company, so I work as a team with people across a lot of different companies. And so I don't view myself as a boss. I, I view myself as a team leader. Yeah. And so for me, it's being able to encourage people to be their best and to deliver their best. And that's my goal is to push people in a positive way to do things that they think they're not able to do and accomplish and to not be afraid that it's going to fail because if we don't try, it won't. So a lot of the projects I work on, most people think they won't be successful at. And my theory is, okay, if we're not successful, then we're not successful. But we start with a no. It can only turn into a yes. And if we don't try, it's going to remain a no. So let's give it a try. And it may seem futile, futile, but many times it's not. And it's getting people to push past their self-imposed limitations. Thank you. This is really ringing the bell for me because this is the way I like to operate as well with my team. I have a very small team and you kind of want to be the leader that you know you are by uplifting people rather than telling them what to do. Because if you feel, if you make people feel welcome and appreciated, they will want to work with you. Even when you are in a situation where you either prefer, because you know, business is business, right? You have times that you are working really well your turnover is great. There will be times that it might not be. And once you treat people well on the way up, these people will be with you on the way down, no matter what. And I've seen this um, recently with lots of businesses. Mm, you know, people that have been treated well before the pandemic and then now they are in fellow or they lost their job, they are still trying to go back to it because they care about the person that was running with them and their leader and that's a big difference and so thank you for sharing that that's really important and i would love you to share where my listeners can find you if somebody wants to really reach out to you in terms of accessibility so i have two places my consulting work is hearingaccess.com and my advocacy work um and my travel which we didn't talk about is on janicelintz.com and I'm not a blogger. I just, you know, get quoted in press because I don't have time to do that. But all my advocacy work is on JaniceLentz.com. And thank you so much for having me, Joseph. This was really a lot of fun. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for being here and to share your wisdom and your expertise and bringing a topic that is not as common as it should be. So thank you so much for being on board. Thank you. All right, that is it for today. Let me tell you something. The best conversations actually happen after the show. So make sure you join us on the Digital Bosses community over on Facebook and let us know what are the biggest takeaway of today's show. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts and your feedback about the episode. And this is your opportunity to connect, grow and thrive with other creators, business owners and coaches just like you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you same time, same place next week.